This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast brought to you by the Engineering Management Institute, where we focus on helping engineers and technical professionals become effective managers and powerful leaders. Hi, I'm Chris Knutson, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. And in today's episode, I'm talking with Eric Wright about the benefits of earning the project management professional certification for military members transitioning out of the service for project management positions out of uniform. Before we get into the main segment of our show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Trying to find the right step to further your career in the world of engineering? Need some positive perspective on how to prepare properly for your exam? Well, stay tuned to this podcast for my exam essentials, tips, and tricks. I'll be sharing my favorite ways to get in the PE exam zone, info on best places to find the right resources to prepare for you and your licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available only to my listeners. You won't want to miss this opportunity. I'd like to introduce you to our guest for today's episode. That way you get to know a little bit about him before we dive into our conversation. Eric is a decorated two-service, two-era United States military veteran. He's the founder and CEO of Vets to PM LLC and Vetstone LLC. He's an experienced credentialed project manager and PMI chapter recognized mentor, an entertaining instructor, public speaker on project management, deep learning, and the military transition, PMI's PMP and certified associate in project management or CAPM exams, and on project manager development in general. In short, he helps military veterans change their lives profoundly through project management, through inspiration, translation, training, and placement. You can check out the show notes and get web links to Eric's resources, as well as connecting with him via LinkedIn. Had a great conversation with him. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. And, you know, my first true interaction with uh, Eric's company, Vets to BM, happened uh, this past June. I'm obviously dating this uh, episode, but it was June of 2018. He had one of his instructors at a location that I'm working at on a major program here in the United Kingdom. And I had an opportunity to come in and speak to that course, and it was uh, really enjoyable to see all these military members who are taking the PMP, some of whom are going to be in service for many, many years to come, but some that are also looking at how they're going to be able to position themselves to be able to do the transition, something that I myself did. And I think the PMP is a great certification to have into your uh, professional uh, resume and your CV, and quite frankly, just life skills to have that uh, PMP's showing everyone out there that you understand how projects uh, should be delivered in project management. So a uh, great opportunity in June. That was my first real personal touch point with Vets to PM. I knew after that that I needed to get Eric on the uh, on the show here, share some of what he's doing with all of you. And I think you're going to enjoy this uh, conversation because he's going to hit on the importance of planning for the transition. And something that always comes to my mind whenever I think about plan is uh, Eisenhower's off-tapped quote, which is essentially, you know, plans are worthless but planning is everything, and we get into a little bit of that in the discussion, as well as Eric does a great job of tapping into his uh, experience on a, as being an instructor and someone who's been talking about this for many, many years because he provides a lot of different lists. So hopefully you've got a, an opportunity to listen to this where you can sit down and write these lists out. One that really hit and struck with me that I, in fact, I'm sitting here looking at the paper notes that I took, and it's circled as Plan, Organize, Lead, and Control. For those military members that out there that like acronyms, let's call it POCL, P-O-C-L. Essentially, as you start defining what you've been doing throughout your career for projects, is really kind of lay it out in the plan, organize, lead, control realm. That's going to really allow you to be able to also not, not only uh, 
be able to fill out the PMP application, but to be able to translate that in your resume to uh, private industry. And quite frankly, these tips that you're going to be picking up, yeah, you know, Eric's talking about the military aspect. We get in, we have a lot of conversations around military and veterans, but this is also applicable to all of our engineers that are listening that are in the industry. So please don't tune this out just thinking that, hey, this is for a bunch of military people. It's not. It's also going to be applicable to you as well because you're going to be able to pick up some great tips on what you need to do and how you need to package what you're doing today to be able to make it, uh, quite frankly, understandable to people that don't necessarily know what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so just because you're in private industry doesn't mean that a future employer is going to be able to quickly understand exactly what it is that you're doing. So uh, plan, organize, lead, and control is one thing that I took away, and I think also another one that you're going to hear us talking about is action impact. Both of these are very useful for resumes. They're also useful for applications. And we also get into a good bit of conversation around the importance of soft skills. All right, so that's not like the first time we're going to hear that one on this show. We start talking about soft skills and the importance of creating future value, uh, not only for yourself, but for clients. All right, now I want to give you a quote related to today's topic to bring us right into our main segment. Effective leadership is putting first things first. Effective management is discipline, carrying it out. And that's by Stephen Covey. And my additive to that is you're going to need both to be successful in project management. So let's get into this interview with Eric Wright. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right, everyone. Thank you and welcome back to the show. I am joined with uh, Eric Wright. And Eric, welcome to today's show. Hey, thanks, Chris. Uh, Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you on, Eric. Um, Some good news for you and the, the work that you're doing, the company that you're doing. And we'll get to that in just a moment, but I'm going to start off first by asking you kind of a, maybe this is a softball question. It's how did you get started in delivering project management training to military members? Great opening question for sure. I, you know, was having a conversation with another military veteran and uh, realized that any veteran that had military mission responsibility. So we all worked on military missions, but if you were the one responsible for planning it and resourcing it and leading it and controlling it and briefing it out to the boss when it was done, you had uh, project management experience. It's just doing the project management of, you know, Department of Defense, not doing the project management of the CivDiv, the civilian workforce. So, and then I also realized that I could augment that with, hey, eight years in two different military uniforms, plus 20 plus years, running projects, hiring project managers, growing project managers. I also not only had the realization that, you know, military veterans were great project managers, premier, I would even add, but, uh, you know, I also knew what they needed to look like, sound like, and act like, so that that's how the CivDiv would recognize them. Army officers, uh, nuclear welders like myself, I mean, combat medics, there's a lot of times a civilian doesn't know what to do with that kind of information. But almost every civilian out there knows what a project manager is. They know what a project is. They've either been on them or they've run them themselves. So once I had those two realizations and put them together, A plus B equals C, kind of did a beta concept, proved it in the marketplace. The initial response was overwhelming. And that was three and a half years ago. And, you know, since then, I've trained several thousands of guys and gals and put hundreds of them to work. And they're all making about, I don't know, $95,000 a year to start right out of uniform. So uh, I've got the coolest job on the planet, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh, pretty awesome. And it's obviously, you know, for myself, being a veteran uh, coming out of the service, it's reassurance that you've got skill sets coming out of the military that are going to be directly translatable into the private industry, out of the uniform. And it's great that you're out there helping people and, uh, you know, realize that and be able to take advantage of what they learned 
while they were wearing the uniform and get out there and uh, take care of business in the private sector. You know, so as you've been working with uh, everyone, and of course, this is engineer-focused, uh, you know, audience that's on here, I'd be curious to hear what a couple of key uh, insights that you might have that, especially working with military engineers, that you've had in helping them to document their service experiences when they're specifically going after the PMP, because that, that application process can sometimes be intimidating for certain people. You know, one of the first things that I think uh, the first fundamental concepts, uh, you know, I also spent eight years at university teaching project management and financial management and uh, business administration, that kind of stuff. So the first thing is, you know, in the CIVDIV, we talk about management and managers and general management. And basically, you know, all managers are supposed to do four functions. They're supposed to plan what it is we're going to do, identify metrics, identify left, right boundaries, et cetera. Then there's the second function is they're supposed to, you know, go get and organize the resources to execute that plan. Then they go get the personnel and lead the personnel to execute that plan using the resource pools. And then they control the whole thing, plan versus performance the entire way through it. And they lather, rinse, and repeat until they hit whatever strategic objective they were given. So a lot of times what we have found working with thousands of guys and gals is military leaders come out and they talk about the leadership, leadership, leadership piece. And so what the civilian hears is, wow, this guy is great, he's dynamic, but he's not really qualified, and I'm using the dreaded air quotes right now. The reason that they say that is they don't hear any of the organization, they don't hear any of the planning, they don't hear any of the controlling. But every military leader I've ever worked for, regardless of what you thought of that military leader, was able to do all those four functions. So when we talk about our full breadth and depth of experience in, along all four functions, not just the leadership function, it really connects the civilian listener with the capabilities, the full scope of the capabilities we bring. And then the second thing is you got to connect dots for the listener in their head. You need to give them forward looking information. So, you know, I don't mean to be callous or insensitive, but I see it all the time. You know, uh, hey, I, uh, you know, was a second LT and I had responsibility for 200 men and, you know, $4 million in equipment, you know, or, hey, I was an E7 and I had responsibility for 60 soldiers, whatever. Well, guess what? Anybody else on that same billet would have had that same responsibility. So that's not really going to impress anybody. What does impress them is, hey, I took that limited number of personnel and I took that limited resource pool and I went and did this. You know, we created a, a new intel cell. We stood up a new uh, tactical operations center. We built a new hospital to win the hearts and minds. So what you really need to kind of document in your resumes, LinkedIn profiles, et cetera, is what kind of awesome value are you able to bring the employer using the scarce resources they're going to give you to steward? That's great advice. Yeah, it's really similar to a lot of advice that I'd even seen when I was still on, uh, still in the service. And it was always came down whenever you were trying to go after and even advocate for resources, it was always what's the action and the impact. And that, that really kind of plays to what you were just talking about at the end there, where you've got a lot of people going to come out and say, hey, I had these many resources. But the interesting thing is, what did you do with those resources? That's a great point. Something else that, that Eric talked about that I just want to, I guess, footstop here for you all is the plan, organize, lead, and control elements that he mentioned, especially for military engineers, where my experience lies. Uh, this is something that every one of us has done and is going to do throughout your career, regardless of how long you're wearing the uniform. So uh, as you're sitting there thinking about, hey, I may want to go after the PMP, and even if you want to go after your professional engineer license, uh, keep track of the different projects that you're involved with, the different work that you do, and segment that down and think through how did you, what did you do to plan, what did you do to organize, what did you do to lead, and what did you do to control? So 
great insight, Eric. I appreciate that a lot. So let me ask this, you know, how important do you think the PMP certification is for a military member or maybe even a veteran, you know, who's already out of service that's aiming to go after a private sector gig? Well, uh, Chris, in my experience, I would tell you it's very important. I've got an article I just released on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, and it started quite an incendiary conversation because a lot of people want to argue about this credential or that credential or this other credential or whatever. And, and really, in my mind, the credential, let's take the PMP since that's the one you mentioned, it's the most recognizable, at least U.S. Canada type thing. The PMP really, in my mind, legitimizes the experience that the hiring manager sees on a resume. So if you walk in and you're interviewing for a project manager and I see two pages, you know, a 15 plus year career of doing projects in defense versus projects for IBM or SAIC or, you know, Target or, I, you know, one of the big companies that, that everybody's familiar with, Apple or whatever. What I'm really looking for is who says that that experience is legitimate. So if you walk in and you have that PMP after your name, what I immediately know is that an independent third party in as a keeper of the flame for that profession looked at your experience and in the case of the pmp it's a minimum of 4500 hours over 36 months and said i'm going to sign off on this you're a project manager go ahead and take this credential so what it shows him is hey i know what the professional body of knowledge is for my profession i know how to apply it and i have a command of that here's the credential that kind of proves that so for the military audience, what it really does is legitimizes that resume full of project management experience that we show them. I mean, again, holding the uh, the PMP certification myself and then being, uh, I guess, uh, interested enough to go after and pull down the PGMP certification, I you know agreed entirely with you, Eric, on the validation of, of one's experience. It's great to hear you pass along that. And for everyone that's out there uh, in uniform that's looking at transitioning over or if you're already transitioned over and you still have uh maybe ask you to try to eric maybe even insight provide a little insight on this on support that someone can get financially for the certification process because there is a training portion that's required contact hours that especially if you're going after pmp or pgmp pmi requires those contact hours let me ask this kind of a maybe a follow-on question is the different types of credentialing support that someone can go out and get. So I know that some of the services have direct uh, pay options for military members, members or veterans with the GI Bill can also tap into some of those funds to help. Can you provide maybe a little bit of insight on that if someone's kind of considering, hey, how do I fund this? Yeah, so, you know, I would start with, so if we're focusing on the PMP in this, you know, session, I would say the Project Management Institute Education Foundation so they're a nonprofit, but they have a separate arm that does nothing but advance the profession of project management. So once a quarter, PMIEF releases scholarships for practitioners. And for those of you who don't know what a practitioner is in the CIVDIV, that's basically somebody paid to do the profession. So they pay up to $800 for a practitioner to go get the PMP. There are the Veterans Affairs Administration, some of the services will reimburse for the exam if you're still wearing a uniform through tuition assistance and stuff. So you take the exam, you show them that you took the exam, they reimburse you for the exam itself. You know, you can use your GI Bill, you can use tuition assistance. There are some organizations that fund the follow-on training, you use voc rehab. So there's resources out there, but what I find is it's seeking out the resources, go to your local PMI chapter 
and see if they have a scholarship or a lot of times they give discount and training preparation programs and they want to help grow the profession. And one of the pillars that that rests on is, you know, creating credentialed professionals. So there's help out there. You just got to shake some bushes to get at it. Yeah, absolutely. So the takeaway from that section right there is really not a financial excuse for someone to not go after it. There's a lot of different avenues to get there. So go do a little bit of research on it, a little bit of homework, uh, even ask around your professional network, and uh, you'll be able to quickly find an avenue to get you to where you need to be. So I want to, Eric, build off of your LinkedIn article. So you did mention that you've got one that just recently went up, and we're going to provide a link to that in the show notes for everyone to take a look at. But I want to jump back to one that you published back in April of this year, 2018, that was published up on LinkedIn. People can get to it off your LinkedIn profile. And that is is kind of sharing your thoughts about how a military veteran can get a job managing projects in the engineering field without experiencing managing projects in that field. I'll share a story with all of you to kind of illustrate this, but I'll do it after I give you a couple of analogies so that your listeners can kind of hold these two things in their head as I kind of walk through my answer. So in working with, you know, hundreds of CEOs and CFOs and directors of HRs and hiring managers, basically one kind of theme, I kept hearing one kind of theme and so my analogy of this, think of a three-legged stool, right? So one leg is professionalism, the second leg is passion and interpersonal skills and capability, and the third leg of the stool for it to stand up is the industry, the context that you're in, healthcare, IT, engineering, construction, whatever it is. So what they basically say to me is, hey, Eric, if your guys or gals have two of the three legs, we can provide the third. It's way too much effort, time, cost, money to teach them all three or two of the three. But if they bring two of the three, we're good to go. So if you bring all the things veterans bring, of course, you know, commitment and loyalty and ingenuity and innovation and just all the things we bring there, typically the passion and the interpersonal skills is taken care of. So now we just need to give them another leg so they've got two of the three. Project management is an easy way to do that. You know, engineering is an easy way to demonstrate you've got that second leg. And then they'll teach you the third leg, the context. How? Ask people in the company, how do you handle your customers? How do you handle change management? How do you run risk management? How do you do cost accounting? They'll teach you that context. They've told me in no uncertain terms that, hey, if they just ask for help, we'll teach them so that we teach them to do it right the first time and we teach them to do it in a way that's congruent with the way we do cost accounting. We don't care how they do cost accounting over at so-and-so place. So think of a three-legged stool. And so my objective is to always figure out, okay, if the vet's standing in front of me, which two legs do they have? And which is the third leg that we have to help them develop? Okay, that's the first concept. The second analogy is, I don't care what the project is, and I'm gonna greatly oversimplify this. So some of your listeners may cringe a bit as they hear this, but think of project management as, providing a gift to the customer, the sponsor paying for it. So I'm gonna give them a gift and it's gonna be wrapped inside of a gift box. So the box is always the same. That's the project management system. We set up a scope and a scope management plan. We set up a configuration management plan. We set up all these things to run the project, which is different than the product, the, the thing inside the box that we're gonna hand the customer when it's all over. So really as the PM, the only thing that's gonna change for you is what you're building, so to speak, and the team building it, which will change your risk profiles and your cost and all of that stuff. But your interpersonal skills, your abilities to set objectives, meet objectives, resource, lead, coach, 
all those things are still the same and you're always going to set up the same type of system regardless of what goes in the box for the customer. So using those two analogies then, what we can do is if you need to think about the question the interviewer is asking you. So if they ask you, you know, for example, hey, do you have Microsoft Project Experience? So Microsoft Project being the, you know, one of the most ubiquitous scheduling tools, whatever. You can say, yes, I have experience using software and automation to run my projects to help me do the pick and shovel work so I can pay attention to the important stuff like the customer's expectations and deadlines and stuff like that. So if the announcement says Microsoft Project Experience required, you may have to go get some experience, local university, intern, get a couple of projects, go to your local PMI chapter, volunteer a couple of times, whatever, and use Microsoft Project while you're doing that. If it says preferred or it doesn't say anything, when they ask you the question, just think about what they're asking you. So for example, I've never been an engineer, but I used to be a welder. So have I been involved in construction projects? Yes, I was a construction manager. I wasn't the engineer. I wasn't the architect. But I knew how to take my piece of it and put in the framing, the steel framing, weld it all together, right? So that was a deliverable. So I can still walk through the five process groups, if you will, in the PMBOK guide and talk about my ability to initiate my piece and resource my piece. And you just what I would encourage folks to do is think about the question being asked and the reason behind the question. Now, if it says, you know, 10 years of engineering experience required, I mean, that's a hard requirement. We're not going to be able to get around that, but you can still interview and overcome that with, I know how to do projects and how to translate requirements into resources, which I translate into deliverables. Give me that first small project. Give me a, a senior, uh, you know, engineer with the 10 years experience you want and I'll intern under them. I mean, that's one of the things we do in the military to make ourselves successful is we find those that are high speed around us and we kind of latch on and we kind of mimic and receive mentorship from and, and that kind of thing. So it's I liken it to just develop the situation, the new context, just like would arrive at each new command. That's great insight. I appreciate you sharing it in the way and packaging it in the way that you did. One that I want to just kind of hone in on because I'm I'm experiencing this right now. In the program that I'm running, I've got a couple of uh, project managers who have joined in that are not out of the architectural engineering construction industry. And the program that I'm directing right now is a construction program. But I brought them in specifically because they had the soft skills. So they had those professional skills, the ability to communicate, ability to be able to get ideas sold across. They had PM capability. In particular case of one individual, he held the PMP and the Prince 2 certification, Prince 2 being a UK-specific one. And in his particular case, he's not even a degreed engineer, but he brought the personal core skills. He had that PM credentials, and we're in the process of teaching him, you know, Eric, just as you mentioned, that third leg, which is the industry skills. So although he may not have done construction, he's a pretty fast learn, and uh, he's got some people around him that can help teach him on that. But as you highlighted... I think the hard two of those legs to teach, well, really the hardest one out of those is the professional skills, those communication skills, those soft skills, because that stuff is oftentimes really difficult to teach. But those of us that have worn the uniform uh, get a lot of opportunities to experience uh, both good and bad. We, we develop those skills as we move along. So I love the way you package that. So thanks for sharing that with us. So I want to ask kind of a follow-on question to that. You're working with hundreds, thousands of individuals who are seeking to expand and, and uh, develop their project management skills. 
Could you share with us a success story from someone that you've helped make that transition from the military into the private or public sector? I was so just tickled to hear the story that you actually are experiencing this now as the executive leading this program. And that's exactly to the point. So I meet a United States Marine Corps major a little over two years ago now, and he's really apprehensive about the transition. He's done going downrange. Uh, he's, you know, brand new family, wants to kind of give that a go, but he's very apprehensive about the transition, but he's heard about this thing called project management. And so he calls me and, and we have a conversation. He goes through the entire, you know, Vesta PM program in less than 90 days, flash to bang. He was logistics his entire career. And he has conversations with me about, wouldn't it be great to do IT stuff? Wouldn't it be great to do healthcare? Those are, you know, booming industries. <laughs> I said, hey, sir, that would be great. But, you know, can you spell HIPAA? Can you, I mean, there's some basic things that, you know, that context we're talking about. Hey, sir, you're going to have to develop that context to give yourself a shot at that third leg. He is working for an international company now. Uh, he's actually working at the headquarters. They were so impressed with him. And he's doing business process improvement projects, which are, you know, IT is usually the backbone of most of those. And he's doing them out in tactical customer facing clinics for this international company to help their customers grow their business, which helps the parent company grow its business. So we take a Marine Corps logistics major who couldn't spell IT or healthcare before he entered that field. And he is doing a bang up job. He's been promoted uh, once since he started. Uh, they're eyeballing him for a second promotion. And what really just kind of humbled me is I received an email out of the blue from the vice president of project services delivery for the parent company that interviewed him. And she said to me in the email, Chris, she said, hey, I knew within five minutes of the interview starting that this was one of the best project management interviews I'd had in the last two years and that he was already hired. And when I called my boss and for that final interview, I just said, hey, look, this is a formality. You need to ask the guy a couple of questions, but this guy's going to press you to know him. And here's what she said impressed her. His ability to communicate ambiguous requirements from customers into set resource needs, into set deliverables, set expectations, set deadlines, and then manage you know, I say collaboration, but what we really mean is lots of horse trading and arguing and waiting. You know how projects go. Everybody's got competing interests. But he just kept talking about his ability to focus on customer expectations, delivery of requirements and, and standards and expectations, stewarding limited resources. She was so impressed that she had us out to their headquarters. And, uh, you know, we went to dinner and basically the dinner was I didn't realize it at the time. The dinner wasn't, hey, let's meet and uh you know, form a nice working relationship, it was, hey, we want more of these and we're just trying to make sure that this one isn't an anomaly. And they've hired several of our guys and gals since. So that's one of hundreds of stories I could share with you. But that one really just kind of crystallized for me. You give a veteran the in-state and the left and the right, they'll figure out how to develop a situation. What a great story. And that's uh, just as a, as a testament again to those uh that three-legged stool concept. So uh, as you're sitting here listening, trying to figure out, hey, where, where might I be able to fit in? If it's not the AEC industry, maybe one of these other industries, you know, just again, keep that in mind, you know, professional skills, those soft skills, the PM capability, and in the context of the industry that you're trying to go into. So uh, awesome, awesome takeaway. From some of your other, other writings, Eric, that are out there, you view project managers as entrepreneurs. Why? 
Well, it, so this may again be uh, you know an incendiary device out there in the marketplace. But you know, after being a project manager for decades and and starting three businesses, by the way, one of which failed, but two of which are now overwhelming successes by any metric. What I realized is is the role of an entrepreneur is the same as the role of a project manager. They are both tasked with creating future value with limited resources out of what currently is nothing. Before we write that plan, Chris, and we just have a concept or a vision, there's nothing tangible there. So we both take our schools, our drive, our determinate, our skills, our drive, our determination, our optimism, our resiliency, our perseverance. And by the way, you should be realizing by now that holy cow, those are the things that military veterans bring to the table, right? In in space. I just think that since they both play the same role, if you're following me on my hypothesis and my working hypothesis, then you know, you ought to be able to take an entrepreneur and give them some project management 101 type fundamental stuff, and they ought to get more consistent and more successful at building organizations. And you ought to be able to take a project manager and kind of infuse them, if you will, with a grandiose, with an optimistic, with a very visionary type mindset. And they ought to, you know, be just an incredible force multiplier for the organizations they work for. That's kind of how I connected those dots. I can go with that. <laughs> I'll work with you on that one. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's again, project managers are dealing with limited resources. I have yet to have ever worked on a project where you had unlimited resources. It just doesn't exist. So there's always a finite resource. You've got to have a plan. You know, there's always a plan. And between those two, you've got to generate future value or benefits to whoever the client, the end client is. So uh, I can totally buy in uh, to that analogy. But I think for some of the listeners that are out there, whether they uh, have that military background or they're not, they've never been in the military, take away from this the same thing. You know, as a project manager, maybe that's a different way to look at what your role is for the company that you're working with, that you are an entrepreneur, or if you want to look at it a different way, you can throw intrapreneur, whichever one that you want to go with. But the bottom line is, is you've got limited resources, you're responsible, or you've got some role in developing a plan. And ultimately, people, the client, your boss, senior leadership and the firm that you're in are expecting that you're going to be creating future value out of that. So that's a, what a great way to be able to tie the two of those together. It resonated with me. I wanted uh, Eric, you to be able to come on here and throw that out and provide a little bit more background on there. And we'll make sure we've got the uh, in the show notes uh, links to, to these articles so people can go out there and take a look at that for themselves. We've hit on this earlier in the conversation here, but I just want to maybe just uh, ask this question straight out. Cause I think, uh, I mean, I kind of already have a feeling for what your answer is going to be on this one. And I think the listeners probably do as well, but we're just going to unpack this one openly. And that is, is your thoughts between or about technical skills versus soft skills and which one you feel is more important for an effective project manager going out in the industry. You know, so I need to caveat my answer because again, it's, it's probably going to be less technical than some folks would like it to be that are listening, but you need to be, at least functionally competent in what you're doing. So you need to know how to spell scope. You need to know how to spell schedule. You need to know why you need a requirements traceability matrix. I mean, it's just some basic tools. A dozen 18 tools, you'll be okay. But with that said, I'm living proof. You know, if there was one thing I learned from Army Military Leadership School and training was mission first, men always. Uh, The way I like to interpret that to all the project managers that I raise is, hey, look, The schedule doesn't do the work. The project team does the work. The schedule is just a representation of when the work gets done. So if you've got, if push comes to shove and you've got to focus down something, you better make sure you're taking care of the team first 
because they'll take care of you. And I can't count the, the number of times, Chris, where I worked with some extremely brilliant SMEs, data scientists, software engineers, industrial and organizational psychologists. You know, I mean, I had no business uh, from a brain power standpoint being in the same room as those folks, but they couldn't talk to the boss and get resources to get the stuff they needed to go build the stuff they were tasked with going and building. So they needed somebody to, you know, go get the resources and once in a while get them coffee and whatever. But humility always works a little bit, uh, goes a long way too. But in my experience, it's the soft skills, it's the interpersonal skills, it's knowing how to communicate, it's knowing how to listen, it's knowing when it's time to kind of push back and when it's kind of just time to take notes. And it's doing what you say you will. If you tell somebody you're going to go to the wall for them, they're going to put you in a situation where you have to go to the wall and they better see you go because you only get one shot to prove that you're credible. So in my mind, hands down, it's the interpersonal skills that I've picked up over, you know, wearing two different uniforms and 20 plus years running projects with customers and being candid with them that'll save me every day. I've had SMEs walk in and say, hey, boss, you're getting ready to go in and brief this in two days, son. You don't want to do that. I'm still working you a contingency plan, but you don't worry about that. I'll have it locked in before you go to that brief with the big boss. And they could have, they could have, Chris, never said a word and let me walk in there and, you know, blow myself up. But it's because, you know, about the things that to them mattered, I took care of those things for them. They took care of the technical stuff for me on the project. I'll let you know that, you know, a lot of our listeners that are out there that have been listening to the show for quite a while know that uh, both Anthony and I are, are pretty, pretty much bought into the fact that these core skills or soft skills have got to be something that each engineer who wants to aspire to the upper end to be able to have those and develop those. So uh, great to hear just another perspective on that. And uh, for those of you that are out there, you know, kind of considering what you're doing, you know, the technical piece, as Eric highlighted, you got to be able to have that. You got to be able to understand what you're talking about in the industry that you're going to be going into or the industry that you are in. And in the engineering industry, that means you got to be able to have uh, some street credibility when it comes to the engineering piece of it. But if you want to get into upper management or even mid-level management or go into leadership positions, as you'll hear from, you know, some of the other episodes where Anthony and I have uh, interviewed CEOs and presidents of engineering firms, you're going to have to have these core skills, these soft skills that are down in order to be able to excel at those uh, upper levels. So start now, start early, start getting the experience and uh, learn the ropes as you move along. Eric, if our listeners want to learn more about the services that you offer, where can they go to get that information? So if they're interested in, you know, PMP preparation, applications of PMBOK guide in the real world, learning through, you know, military examples to civilian translation and stuff, they can go to www.vets2pm.com. So Victor Echo Tango Sierra 2 PapaMike.com. The other thing that I would advocate, Chris, is, you know, again, I can't believe the pipe fitter figured this out, but I've created a piece of software that actually uses artificial intelligence. It uses deep learning and I'm supervising this thing, teaching it how to find all the keywords and the thousands and thousands of veterans' inputs that it's looked at, map them to PMI's requirements, and produce a PDF report of what you look like in your 5, 10, 20-plus years of, of leading soldier, sailors, airmen, marine, as a commercial project manager. It's called VetStone. I developed it on my own dime and brought it to the marketplace for free. And in fact, SAME saw it and uh, now has me sitting on their credentialing board and advocating the use of VetStone to help people kind of qualify and quantify their experience, their military leadership experience as commercialized project management experience. So that's the VetStone, and you can find that tool free for everybody's use. 
at www.militaryvetstone.com. Hey, that's awesome. And uh, we will have those links in the show notes that uh, everyone that's listening, click on those links and go directly to those two sites. So, Eric, thanks a lot. Uh, Great insight, great information. Uh, Eric is going to stick with us for the Take Action Today segment of the show, where he's going to share some more insight on the power of project management in your life and society. So stand by for more. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, and Eric and I have a couple of takeaway actions for you to build your project management skill. But before I do that, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineering career advancement starts with licensure exams, and the right place to gather exam info, all practice materials, and multiple review options comes from PPI to pass.com. Now, PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Best of all, they have practice bundles, online subscriptions, and practice exams that prepare you to pass the first time. That's pretty important. Visit ppitopass.com to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take you one step closer to your next career advancement. That's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S dot com. And I also have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of my podcast. Just use promo code TECC8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. And again, that's promo code TECC8. All right, Eric, here's your question. So let's say you, uh, present day Eric, was going to give young Eric, the aspiring project manager, some advice to help him in building the skills that would be necessary to be a successful entrepreneur and project manager. What advice would that be? Well, I'd be at home. The young Eric knocked his head into quite a few walls along the way. But uh, no, I think if I had to distill it down, you know, I would tell him, we kind of talked about this in the show earlier, but realize that there is a very high level of overlap between a military leader and a general manager in an organization, a president, a vice president, a director. Based on uh, the theory of failism, the, the theory of business administration, basically good managers plan what they're going to do, metrics, et cetera, organize the resources to build that plan up. And then they hire the right people, put them in the right places on the bus and, and lead them to success. And they control performance to plan and they just lather, rinse and repeat until they hit the objectives. So what I would tell the Eric coming out of service that spent 12 years wandering around in the job desert, hey, kid, look, figure out real fast that your military leadership in the civilian world has a lot of value, but you can't talk about leadership only because they won't hear about all of the experience you have in the other three functions, planning, organizing, controlling. So you need to present the whole picture, the full meal deal, so that they don't send you, hey, we loved your enthusiasm and your professionalism and your passion, but you just aren't qualified. So that would be the first piece. And then the second piece would, again, regarding military leadership, you know, document that as project management experience. Because the reality out here in the Civ Div is, even if you're not going to grow up and be a project manager, you are a SME and you're going to be put on a project at some point during your career and probably more than one. In this highly competitive workforce, if you have clear, concise, value-adding project management experience on your resume, your LinkedIn profile, et cetera, you have a what I call a differentiator on your resume that the next guy may not have. You may be sneeze in the same respect as, as each other in every facet, but if you have that and you talk about that and they don't, 
there's your leg up because now as a hiring manager, I can cheat almost the system. I can hire you and make you and put you in charge of something, a line, a unit, a team, or whatever. And then when a project pops up in your area, I just give you the project. So I pay you one salary, but I get a PM and I get a leader. So those two things kind of go hand in hand. But those are the two things that I would make sure that I told myself. Great advice. And uh, yeah, I probably wish I would have had some of that myself. So, hey, I've got uh, just one thing I want to share with you all here as we get ready to wrap up today's episode, and that is project managers need a good attitude. So the one that you have is entirely generated by you, no one else. So take responsibility for it. Don't blame it on someone outside the situation or the person, because a lot in life uh, that you're going to learn, just as you will as a PM, is to sort out problems. So if you let the outside situations affect your attitude, well, you're going to be a pretty depressing person to be around. So choose positive over negative always and accept reality with courage. And again, be responsible. That is, able to choose your response versus being a victim of a situation. And as Eric shared with us today, effective project managers are like entrepreneurs, and the successful ones accept the ultimate responsibility for the success or failure of the endeavor that they're charged with. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions. Go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Where you're going to find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources or websites that Eric and I talked about and mentioned during the episode. And don't forget to check out our upcoming live webinar for this month, again, at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. I wish you all the best in your engineering career. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and will help you engineer your own success.